Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to the Shmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Rhee Turner. For our listeners, we're doing an overseas call here from Amherst to Paris. Rhee is an MA student in Yiddish at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem and is currently studying as a graduate exchange student in the Yiddish immersion program of Madame Library in Paris, France. Rhee was a 2014 Yiddish Book Center Translation Fellow and recipient of the 2018 National Endowment for the Arts Literary Translation Fellowship. Welcome, Rhee. Thank you. Great to have you here. I really have been looking forward to the chance to speak with you. Um, you know, you've been on my radar for the past many years as an alum of our Translation Fellowship program, and I know we've been publishing your work in translation. So it's great to uh, have a conversation with you. And kind of thought of inviting you on, um, and we'll get to this, because we're about to post your most recent translation for us of A New Year's Eve State of Mind, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that, which is great. So before I ask you about this recent translation, tell me how you found your way to Yiddish and Yiddish translation. Um, So I never really know how to answer the question about how I found my way to Yiddish. I guess I was already doing Jewish studies stuff, um, and kind of starting to feel like Yiddish was the missing piece. Like there was a big gap in what I knew, and I wouldn't be able to fill in that gap without this piece. Um, so I, that led me to study in the um, YIVO summer program in the summer of 2012. Um, actually, before that, I started, I took my first Yiddish class at the Workman Circle in Boston. Um, and then... I absolutely fell in love that very first summer, and since then it's basically been all Yiddish all the time. Um, And then when I saw the announcement that the center was uh, organizing the translation fellowship, um, I really wanted to apply, so I applied in um, for the uh, 2014 fellowship, Um, and then it just sort of took off from there. I never really set out to become a translator, but. Um, I just keep finding that I'm doing more and more of it. And it's it's kind of funny when you think about it. I don't imagine that even five years ago or six years ago when we started the fellowship that people would think that they could actually have um, a career path or a profession as a a Yiddish translator. But um, it's wonderful that you're all doing this for those of us who can't read it in the original. I'm curious to know if there's a particular genre, writer, that you kind of gravitate towards in Yiddish literature, or do you just uh, explore, trip over, and find your way to something that resonates with you? I really love the Yiddish press, finding pieces from the Yiddish press. And it's kind of, it's an ama- we live in an amazing time right now because um, more and more Yiddish newspapers are being digitized all the time. Um, and also there's the, the project of the index of the Yiddish periodicals out of Jerusalem, which I, I love amazing my friends with my magical party trick of getting online and saying, hey, do you want to find a Yiddish article from the 1920s about Charlie Chaplin or about Shakespeare or about, I don't know, baseball? And then I can, you know, with a few clicks, I can access dozens of articles on pretty much any subject you want. Um, and that's, you know, that's all new in the past five, ten years. So I feel really lucky to be coming of age, so to speak, um, at a time where all of these things are becoming so much more accessible. So um, looking through Yiddish periodicals is, is like this treasure hunt where you never know what you're 
going to find. So that's how I really enjoy finding pieces to translate, especially because um, those that writing is much less accessible, obviously, than writing that was published in book form. So I know that pretty much anything I find is going to be like something that no one's looked at for a really long time. And it's really great stuff. I mean, it gives us such an informed understanding of what was going on in, you know, mm-hmm. in everyday life. Um, it's a reflection of times. It contextualizes things in ways that we haven't been able to, again, if you're not a Yiddish reader, mm-hmm. just discovering these periodicals. Yeah. So, so am I correct that you're currently working on translating um, a selection of humoresques by Joseph Tunkel or Der Tunkler, as some say? Yeah, that's right. And tell me a little bit about that project. So that's also, to some extent, a project that involves digging through the Yiddish press, because um, even though uh, Der Tunkeler did publish a lot of book-length collections of his humorous writings, almost everything that he wrote appeared first in the press, and there's lots and lots of pieces that he wrote in the press and then never reissued in book form. Um, so I'm really enjoying that process of searching out the various uh, pieces he has in the press. Um, so the project has a huge element of curation. Um, a lot of what I'm doing is looking through stuff that he wrote and deciding what's worth translating, um, what pieces work, what pieces would work for today's audience, um, and then obviously the work of translating as well and annotation too. There's There's kind of a... Um, a kind of a habit, I guess, in the English, the world of literary translation into English that says, you know, work should uh, speak for itself. Like, there's sort of a ban against footnotes in literary translation. Um, and that's that I think really just does not work when, you, when it comes to Yiddish. There's so much cultural context and historical context that's necessary in order to understand uh, what drives the piece. And I think that rather than taking away from the work, that kind of annotation adds so much to it in terms of allowing the audience to understand what's going on, be able to appreciate the both the content of the piece and the style of the piece by putting it in, into its context. Interesting that you mentioned that because um, there is sort of a straddling of the line. Does it interfere with the reading or you make a really great case for why it needs to be there, not just for academic purposes, just for cultural understanding, yes? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the challenges? Um, you know, we talk about literary translation, which certainly demands, I think, or needs a translator to really get the voice of the writer, but then also to be able to find that voice that's comfortable in translation and reads well. Mm-hmm. It's a cliche to say this at this point, but Translation really is an extremely creative process, um, and I think it, it took me a while before I learned how to access that, and actually, it, it, one of the reasons that I decided to devote so much time to Der Tunkeler is that um, the moment when I first really understood that was when I was working on one of his pieces, when I got past the endeavor to kind of reproduce every word in every sentence and experienced the kind of creative leap where I started coming up with sentences that had had the tone in English that I felt like the Yiddish sentence had. Um, in some cases, the exact content or syntax of the sentence might be actually quite different from the original Yiddish sentence. 
Um, but if I feel like it's doing more or less the same work in English, uh, then that's kind of the moment of success. And the first time I experienced that was when I was translating uh, one of his humorous. Are you finding that there is a sort of a community that you can connect with to talk about uh, challenges of a word, a phrase, or what have you? Since there's so many people who have come out of the Translation Fellowship, and then there are obviously other people who have been working in Yiddish translation for a long time. Yes and no. I mean, I feel like I there's multiple communities. There's a translation community of people who work from various languages into English, and there's a certain type of challenge that that community can help with. And then there's sort of a Yiddishist, linguistic, uh, philological community of people who may or may not work in translation but are very interested in um, Yiddish etymology and dialects, um, all that type of linguistic stuff, and also uh, cultural context from the Yiddish literary world. And that's where I usually turn when I have questions about specifics of the text I'm working with. So let's talk a little bit about the piece that we are about to post on the Yiddish Book Center's website, just in time for New Year's Eve, everybody. A New Year's Eve state of mind. Tell me how you found your way to this and a little bit about it without um, need for, as I like to say, a spoiler alert, because I think everybody should read this um, and come to it fresh. Yeah, sure. Um, so this is, once again, a piece that I found in the Yiddish press, and actually um, it was I went looking for it because last year, around this time, um, some of the folks here, some of the students who attend the Yiddish classes here in Paris uh, got together and said, hey, let's do something for New Year's Eve. Let's have a Yiddish gathering. Let's only speak Yiddish, play some games, sing some songs, read some texts. Um, and they invited us all to bring something to contribute. So I thought, hey, I'm sure there must be some articles in the Yiddish press about New Year's Eve. Let's see what, they, you know, what kind of editorials are out there. Um, and I found quite a few dozens, in fact. Um, but I think this was actually, by chance, the first one I read through, um, and I was immediately taken with it. Um, as, as, as a friend said, um, it's a little too timely <laughs> for us today, maybe more timely than we would like it to be. Um, and I think uh, there's, you know, Holiday-themed pieces are a double-edged sword, like it's really hard to avoid cliches, um, but I think that this piece really does do that. It uses the holiday as a chance to really talk about what was going on politically and socially in the 19, at that moment in the 1930s um, in a way that really takes you back to that moment in time. Yeah, it's, it's quite a piece. Um, <laughs> thank you for translating it. And you're right, it, there's a timeliness about it. It was published um, in 1936. So before I let you go, we've mm -hmm. alluded to the fact that you're in Paris and I'm here in Amherst, which is just lovely, but <laughs> uh, a little bit different. I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about the Yiddish scene, such as it is in Paris, where you're currently residing. Yeah, I mean, there is actually an amazing Yiddish scene in Paris. That's what I came here for. A little knowner is the Madame Library, the Paris Yiddish Center. Um, it's, it's full of people who are very humble and don't like to toot their own horn, which makes it a wonderful environment, but also means that people in other places don't know enough about it. As far as I'm concerned, and I've lived in quite a few places and studied Yiddish in quite a few places, 
this is where it's at. I don't know that there's another that there's a site anywhere else in the world that can, can compare. Um, with a very small staff and small overhead budget, this center is running sometimes up to 17 different Yiddish classes on five different levels a week. Um, these classes are well attended by people of all ages in Paris. And aside from the language and literature classes, there's also cultural events, some of them in Yiddish, some of them in French. There's concerts, movie screenings, really anything you can imagine. Um, and the level, the quality of instruction, the level of expertise is just unparalleled. So I'm so grateful that I've gotten to spend now more than a year uh, working, studying, um, immersed here in general. Great. Well, um, thank you so much for joining me today and for your ongoing work in translation, which is wonderful. And I hope we see you over here at the Yiddish Book Center sometime soon. Thank you so much. And again, just uh, before you go, for our listeners, you'll find Ree's latest translation on YiddishBookCenter.org. Um, it's in the Language, Literature, and Culture section, which includes work in translation. So thanks again, and Happy New Year to you. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a podcast of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. I'm Joanna Spira, a Wexler Oral History Project Polish and Spanish language specialist at the Yiddish Book Center. For more information about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. While you are there, I recommend listening to episode 94, Jewish Cuba, A Conversation with Adela Dworin where Ruth Behar, an anthropologist from the University of Michigan, talks to Adela Dworin, president of the Jewish community of Cuba in Havana. Zeidner Stargum Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon.